Good morning. So I'll ask for questions this morning, and then we're going to give initiation to a couple of devotees as well. So we'll segue into that. And today's the first day of Kartik. Kartik Pratiki and Jai. This, of course, the auspicious month associated with Radha. We find in the Bhagavad Gita that uh, in the 10th chapter, Krishna has identified himself with the month that follows Kartik Margashisha. Hmm? And given this identification with that month, the learned and insightful Goswamis have um, aside from other scriptural references concluded that in the month before Krishna's month must be Radha's month. Hmm? First Radha then Krishna. Hmm? Of course, although the deities are typically named Radha Krishna, Radha Govinda, Radha Gopinath, Radha Manan Mohan, and so forth. Prabhupada did name some deities in the, his temple in, in Chicago, Kishore Kishori, where in Krishna's name, Kishore, in this case, his reference to him comes first, and Kishori, named for Radha, comes second. So he's once asked about that peculiarity. And he said, save the best for the last. <laughs> so, Jai Radhe. But it is mentioned, I believe in the Padma Purana, this month is, is highlighted, highlighted. And um, um, it's um, thought that a little service done in this month brings great remuneration. So... It's a time for uh, paying attention, increasing our, our bhakti. <clears throat> so, any questions? General? Yes? You mentioned it the other day in uh, one of your classes, and um, the topic in Ragbhartma Chandrika about the downgrading of rasa due to aparad. And I just don't really get that. I was just wondering if you could give some more uh, explanation. It's mentioned in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, not Raghavart Machandrika. In the section uh, on Bhava Bhakti, Rupabhasam explains, just to give kind of a generic explanation of uh, uh, Bhakti, then Sadhana Bhakti, Bhava Bhakti, Prem Bhakti, in the eastern division of the ocean of Bhakti Rasa. So the chapter on Bhava Bhakti, <coughs> towards, it's a sh- short chapter, <coughs> towards the end of that chapter, uh, Rupa Goswami makes um, a couple of interesting statements, one of which, uh, one in which he, he mentions that someone in Bhava Bhakti might act in an, in an unbecoming way. But that should not be considered um, given much 
consideration because he's had, or she has attained bhava. So you might think it's a peculiar verse. I said it was a peculiar verse. But, uh, of course, you have to understand it properly. Now, then your verse is right in that section, also the one you're referring to. Um, but um, <clears throat> if one has attained bhava, then there will be other symptoms as well, which will stand out and uh, um, separate him or her from the crowd, if you will. And in the midst of such symptoms that clearly are indicative of bhava, then if he or she does something out of character, well, obviously, comparatively, that won't be given much uh, consideration. <clears throat> what might be the cause of that? could be any number of things. could be even Krishna causing it. Hmm? So, um, and I should mention also that the symptoms that Rupa Goswami gives for bhava are not symptoms that can be easily uh, imitated. Certain, uh, uh, there are nine of them that he lists. These aren't sattvika bhavas and so forth, which uh, indeed which about which is said, although they are involuntary expressions of ecstasy that uh, expresses themselves through the physical, like tears and horripilation and uh, fainting and so forth, they could be imitated. But the nine symptoms he mentions are, I'll get to you, and difficult, difficult to, uh, to, uh, to imitate. So, uh, in one who has clearly attained Baba, which is the perfection of sadhana, if some if something unbecoming uh, manifests, it should not be given much consideration. What that unbecoming thing may be, <coughs> exactly what Rupa's idea is there. Uh, it might not be the things that you're thinking of. <laughs> Yes, Mundarik. Yes, um, I was wondering, what, what book are you referring to about the symptoms of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu? Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Yeah. Which Prabhupada's Nectar Devotion is yeah. kind of a commentary on it. So, I, my question is that um, I've heard the quotation that you made in there, and, you know, um, Prabhupada taught that, and yet I don't, at least in my very limited what unbecoming behavior unbecoming behavior bhava I haven't asked everybody, but I haven't interviewed everybody. But but yes. Well, we 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 shall refer back to um, uh, Rupa Goswami's uh, uh, explanation of the characteristics of bhakti. 
one of which, there are six, two of which pertain to sadhana bhakti, two of which pertain to the stage of bhava bhakti, and two of which pertain to the stage of prem bhakti. So amongst the two that pertain to the stage of bhava bhakti, moksha lakshanu lakshanu laganu krit, lagutta krit, it, 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 attainment of bhava makes mukti look small. Hmm? And uh, the second is sudurlava. It's rarely attained. Hmm? So the fact that you haven't seen it, as far as you know, hmm, then that uh, speaks of its, uh, its rarity. Then again, it, uh, we should be acquainted with the with the symptoms of um, what are those symptoms? Avyartakalatvam chantira. This forbearance. No, no. First, first, I'm saying what the symptoms are. You have to be clear what they are, so that you know what you're looking for, hmm? right? So, desire to attachment to uh, nam namaruchi sada forbearance, um, not uh, wasting any time uh, outside of Krishna bhakti and so forth. There, there are. Um, Nine of them. So, if you take look carefully at those, study the commentary on those, then you can use that perhaps as a as your lens to look. Um, uh, but it's rarely a, 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 a achieved. One time, uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsthitaka was approached by some of his senior disciples, and they had a question on their mind that they were a little shy to ask. But he said, well, come forward, what is it? And they said, well, we've been practicing now under your guidance for 10 years. And and that's a long time. But the, the higher things that you're speaking about, let's say, bhava, we don't find that coming within us. So we're having some doubt, which is more or less what you're saying. And Bhakti Siddhanta said, oh, I'm relieved. If you had said after 10 years all those were coming within you, then I would be concerned. Mm-hmm. Well, how about 40 or 50? Well, to be frank with you, um, most of your god brothers and god sisters are not practicing sadhana in such a way that anyone with a, with a, with any sanity or understanding of scripture would would uh, would think that they were soon to attain bhava. Hmm? So... That just happens to be the fact, which indicates the need for them to have good association. Unfortunately, many of them have developed a samskar for avoiding association with advanced devotees in the name of fidelity to Prabhupada, which who who repeatedly stressed the the value of sadhusanga as our you know teaching for hundreds of years has. Even we find persons like Narottam lamenting that he doesn't have higher association, that they've, they've gone now. Where is Rupa? Where is Sanatan? So, Sadhusanga is the birth of bhakti, and there's nothing that will will drive it forward at a faster pace than, than Sadhusanga. So, it's, um, uh, now, how far you've Traveled and uh, you know if you, if you 
you stay within the, the, the group of most of our God brothers and God sisters you might you might you might you might come to that conclusion some of the some of the God brothers and God sisters concluding that have left that association for higher association they might be persons to look to for such uh, such symptoms and um, and um, as well in 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 those in whom they have uh, taken shelter for example for myself I, I found that the, the kind of cheerleading was uh, that I how I would look at uh, some of the immediate uh, discourse in the name of the Bhagavatam after Prabhupada's departure was uh, not interesting me hmm. and a number of other events occurred that eventually led me to take shelter of Pujapad Sridhar Marsh Bhaktivaksak Sridhar Deva Goswami Marsh my Siksha Guru hmm. so I found uh, the kind of things that you're talking about in him in his person hmm. and uh, in others as well uh, after he passed and so forth and and so, um, then you might look to those who have associated with them, and and so and so on. So, I, I, yes, I've seen it. So we're going to get to answering your question. Thank you, but but yes, something about this further. Yes, uh, to explain the differences between mukti, self-realization, and brahman realization. Yeah, we can we can do that. Yeah. Um, I'm in the midst of answering his question, but I'll answer that question. The difference between self-realization, Brahman realization, and mukti, right? Self-realization is a, a status that can be attained under the mode of goodness. The characteristic of the mode of goodness is that it is illuminating hmm? and uh, it gives knowledge knowledge illumination right same idea so in this world um, that which is illuminating the boor buva sva the, 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 the physical the mental physical mental intellectual realms is tat savitur hmm? it doesn't mean the sun lights the world but the self right atma hmm? that which is is that which is luminous everything else is dark it's achit it is chit hmm? if there's anything in the world that most resembles God it's us hmm? even as we're, we're different and therefore we find ourselves in this condition which God doesn't find himself in. So, Sattva Guna is, of course, the, 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 uh, in, in a rarefied, or in a, I should say in a pure, purest state of Sattva, then, which affords discrimination. Hmm? One can accurately discriminate between the self and the body-mind construct. Hmm? So self-realization can be arrived at under the influence of sattva-guna hmm? without bhakti. 
So it's a Socratic kind of possibility. Is that a way to refer to him, the Greek? Socrates. Hmm. So good, fine, subtle uh, discrimination. There is a discussion in the Brihat Bhagavatamrita hmm, between the Bhakti Shastras and the Gyan Shastras. And this is, of course, in Hinduism, Bhakti or Gyan, Bhakti or Gyan. Hmm. Um, we say, of course, hmm, Bhakti can give Gyan which the Advaitins, for example, would also say bhakti can give gyan to those who don't have it. If you already have it, you don't need it, they would say. Bhakti can give gyan. But gyan, we would say further, cannot give bhakti. So bhakti's position is better. But after this, in the context of this discussion, back and forth between the Bhakti Shastras and the and the Gyan Shastras, and Gopakumar is witnessing this all. Hmm? Then finally, the Gyan Shastras make the point that self-realization can be attained without Bhakti. Hmm? And the Bhakti Shastras give in, and they say, "Yes, that's true," because they're making their case that in order to attain liberation. Bhakti is required. Grace is required. Hmm? And Jnana is saying that without without Bhakti, you can attain civilization. Jnana gives knowledge, so forth. So finally they conclude, but without the help of Bhakti, one can attain self-realization. And, the, and again, the Bhakti Shastras go, well, yeah, you're right. Then they say, but who cares? What's the value of coming in second? In other words, self-realization is not Brahman realization. The self may be like Brahman, hmm? and you may understand its likeness, but because that can be understood under the influence of Satpaguna, hmm, it doesn't constitute entering into the Nirguna. Hmm? Brahman is Nirguna. There's no influence of the Gunas there. Right? There's no particularly overt manifestation of the Sarup Shakti either, the but so there's stillness and lack of differentiation and indeterminate feature of the absolute. So self realization we could also refer to it by another term, Jivan Mukta. Hmm? One who is a Jivan Mukta. That means this is the penultimate state. Hmm? before liberation. He or she has realized the self and parabdha karma is playing itself out without the adept plugging him or herself into it and perpetuating it. And Gyanmarg, when the parabdha karma is finished, then that's death. And then from Jivan Mukta stage, he goes to called Videha Mukta, so beyond, without the body. Videha Mukti. That means Brahma-sayuja in our terminology, in Gaudiya terminology, merging with Brahman. If that is the objective of the candidate, and if that candidate, hmm, that Jivan Mukta, does not offend Bhakti, hmm, 
and in fact it more so adds bhakti, bhakti at least in some extent into the equation of his or her practice there's a statement in the Bhagavatam in the sec, second uh, maybe chapter I think of the 10th canto mm. Hmm. The demigods are speaking there, and they say that though there are those who hmm, they think they're liberated, hmm, but their intelligence is not yet pure. Avishuddha buddhaya, their buddhi is not is avishuddha, it's not shuddha. Vimuktamanina. They think they're liberated. Hmm. However, because they offend bhakti, aruya krishna parama padam tada, all they've attained this highest position in this world, parampada, in this world, jivan mukta, aruya krishna parama padam tada tada patanti adho, adho, yushmana, they again come down hmm, from, from that penultimate state, which after all is still within, very subtly, within the gunas. Hmm? So, it's not liberation. So if there were the bhakti shastras, close the case, says, so what? So what if you came in second? So what if you came become self-realized? The goal is to transcend the gunas. Right? So you haven't done that. And you better be careful, because if in the context of attaining that, you dismiss bhakti, then again go down from there hmm. so transcending the gunas by the influence of nirgun bhakti hmm, depends on the, the measure of the influence of nirgun bhakti what you will attain in terms of the variegated nature of transcendence so for example if you factor bhakti into your jnana you'll get one thing. Whereas if you factor jnana into your bhakti, you'll get another thing. The latter, an instance in which bhakti is prominent, but mixed with jnana. The former, where jnana is prominent, but we mix bhakti. So there are jnanis who mix bhakti with a desire to attain sayuja, to merge with Brahman. And they can be successful. And then there are instances of those who do bhakti, but their bhakti is mixed with jnana, so they attain mukti. Hmm? But they're not going to attain the lower form of mukti, which is brahma-sahuja. They're going to attain something like sarsti, salokya, samipya, sarupya, which we mentioned the other night, the other day. Different types of, instead of um, um, sayuja, these other types of bhakti in which um, there is uh, they attain Bhakunta and relationship with Bhagwan and Shantaras and Dasiras and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so typically um, these are four types of mukti that are emphasized, and then of course we say Prem Prayojan, right? We, the Purusharta beyond beyond mukti. Mukti is contained within Prem, but I mean, you could call it mukti, but our sampradaya has given it a, its own its own name. Hmm? 
and for good reasons, theological reasons, philosophical reasons. Reasons. So is that did I answer your question? Yes. Self-realization, mukti, Brahman realization, a type of mukti, and then there are other types of mukti. Back over here. Yes. I don't want to hog the No, there's a there's a there's because Gyan means knowledge, so Krishna is teaching Gyan in Bhagavad Gita and Bhakti teaching it. He is. He says by studying this we don't read Let me answer. Studying the Bhagavad Gita carefully, that is called Gyan Yogya. Sacrifice of Gyan. Hmm? To study the scriptures is called Gyan Yogya. But that would include studying the scriptures of Bhakti, in which there is also Gyan, which we call Sambandha Gyan. So in Bhakti, let me give you an example. In the middle of the Gita, in the middle six chapters, Krishna's first six chapters he's talking about you and me, the Atma. Hmm? What is the nature of the Atma? In the second chapter, how to attain, attain it through yoga that, and so forth, and different types of yoga. It's all about self-realization. The middle six chapters, the theology comes out. Krishna starts talking about himself. Everything comes from me. The world is resting on me like pearls on a thread. So Krishna is speaking about himself. But why is he, why is he speaking about himself? Because the subject is bhakti. And he's the object of bhakti, so he has to talk about himself. Hmm? He's not egotistical, really. <laughs> he's very humble. If he's talking about bhakti, he's the object of bhakti, so he has to talk about himself. So, there is knowledge within bhakti, we call it sambandhagyan. So, knowledge of Bhagawan, his qualities, his forms, uh, the, 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 the abhideya, tattva of bhakti, what is it, knowledge of the path, knowledge about the nature of the goal, prayojan tattva or gyan, prayojan gyan, sambandha gyan, hmm? knowledge of relationship knowledge again, like what is the material nature, what what is maya shakti, what is the tatasta shakti, what is the sarup shakti, what is their relation with Bhagawan, with one another and so forth. So all this is knowledge, gyan, hmm? in the context of bhakti. When we speak about jnan in in relation to bhakti and we uh, defer to bhakti over jnan, what we're referring to is the, the jnan marg in which, jnan yoga in which, the preoccupation is the, the oneness between atma and brahman. There is a oneness or let's say a likeness between atman and brahman. And that's their total preoccupation. Hmm? Hmm? We're, we, so we're not very interested in that. We do talk about it sometimes. Rupa Goswami says it's 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 really jnana um, um, and vairagya in this sense of jnana. They're not angas of bhakti. Hmm? Obviously, self-realization comes about in the context of bhakti, but 
but this is not our preoccupation. So they are preoccupied with that alone, and this is their goal, to realize the likeness between Atman Brahman. Hmm. Brahman. Generally, we use the term Param Brahman to refer to, to Krishna as opposed to Brahman. Brahman means is a is a is a feature, undifferentiated feature of the absolute, indeterminate feature. Param Brahman. Why do we say Param Brahman? Because it's superior to Brahman. Brahman is everywhere. Can't move because it's everywhere. Param Brahman is moving and dancing. He's superior because he's everywhere at the same time and still moving. Follow? Yeah. Right. So, back to Babru's question then about bhakti. First, we heard that bhava bhakti is rarely attained, hmm? and it's it, it is the is the is the goal of sadhana bhakti, hmm? and uh, which is then churned that bhava bhakti into prem, right? Hmm? And so, generally. Of course, the teaching is that because bhakti is nirguna, that which we gain within bhakti is not subject to that which we gain under the influence of the gunas. Whatever we gain under the influence of the gunas is subject to, to, to being lost because things are here today and gone tomorrow. Hmm? Right? The very nature of the, the material world is constantly in transformation, and so you can't get your feet solidly on the ground. Whatever you amass to protect yourself, to make yourself happy, is, I guess, subject to being lost. This is the difference between the nirguna and that which is within the gunas, right? We are of a nirguna nature ourselves. We don't change, we're changeless. The world is changing around us. Hmm? There's the Copernican revolution, and then we have the Atmic revolution. Everything's moving around the Atma. And then the Paramatmic revolution. Everything moving around the Paramatma. And then the, the Bhagavan <laughs> revolution. Paramatma is moving around Bhagavan. And then Krishna's two Bhagavan, Swayam. And if your head isn't spinning by now, then. Uh, he shouldn't be here. So, so everything moving around Krishna. So, so that which is nirgun, hmm, then the, the nature of that realm is is permanence. The nature of this realm is impermanence, in a, in a word, right? Therefore, as I said the other day, Krishna differentiates his planet. He says in the Gita, from all other planets, and then from all other planets, there's this. Gain and loss, gain and loss. Go there and come down, go there. Even you go to Brahmalok, again come down. But Punar Janmana Vidite. My, my abode is different. It's different. There's no return from there. There's no darkness there. Here you are the light amidst the darkness, but you're only a spark. And your sparkness can be obscured by the darkness. So we need a, we need a, a, a uh, infusion of light, right, from 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 that realm hmm? to uh, strengthen our our position. So, because what 
And Krishna begins his discourse on yoga in the second chapter by making this very point. What is the meaning? Neha bhikramanashosti pratyavayana vidyate svalpam apiyasya dharmasya trayate matobaya. A little gain, even a little gained, whatever little bit is gained in this yoga, uh, it will not be lost. Therefore, he must be talking about bhakti yoga. Right? Then he goes on, talks about different types of yoga. And then, and what, is, what is the last thing he says about yoga? Yoginam apisarvisham madgatinandaratmanam shadaban bhajateyomam same yuktutama. And this is the best. The first word he says about yoga, the last word he says about yoga in the first six chapters discourse is bhakti. And the bhakti is some bhakti in between. And other types of yoga are talked about for the purpose of explaining by contrast what bhakti is not. He says what bhakti is and what bhakti is not. So then there's jnana yoga, and there's this type of yoga. And we're supposed to look at it, the, oh, this is bhakti yoga by comparison. It's a comparison being made if you follow the thread. So he's talking really directly and indirectly about bhakti. But one of the aspects of it, again, what's gained in bhakti is not lost. right? So you pick up where you left off. There's nothing, the, the material nature cannot destroy bhakti. So, let's put it another way Maya Shakti cannot uh, take precedence over the Sarup Shakti, over bhakti. Hmm? Can darkness, uh, darkness can't cover light. Light dispels darkness, that's its very nature. Hmm? Right? So, at the same time, now, Rupa Goswami makes the point hmm, that you can fall from bhakti. How's that? That is, if you do something in the nirguna, if you, so you're not in this world as a sadhaka or as a bhav-bhakti, you're still in this world. Bhav-bhakti is like the penultimate state within the bhakti mark. Hmm? One is a jivan mukta in 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 in, in bhav bhakti, hmm? but his situation, her situation is different. The swarup shakti has taken over the antakarna, subtle body, hmm? and so the gross body becomes even spiritualized, and then it's moving under the influence of divine prakriti of the swarup shakti in this world for God's purpose and for the purpose of churning the bhava into brahm. So, when he wants sojimukti, has nothing to do with that. So, when his parabdha is finished, he enters the brahma Sahuja. For the bhakta, bhakti, of course, has the power to change, to, to eradicate even parabdha karma. So, what happens, how can you... Prabhupada karma. One of the one of, one aspect of your prabhupada karma is that you're the son or the daughter of this and such and such mother and father. How can you change that? Well, you can change that prabhupada karma by bhakti because you get another father and mother, Nanda, Yashoda, Ayinanda Tanuja, Kinkaram, 
Patitamam Vishame Babam Budo Mahaprabhu said, I want to live in the house of Nanda Maharaj. I want to be in other words, I want to live in the house of my father in law. Hmm? Mahaprabhu said, I want to marry Krishna. Hmm? Hmm? I thought you were the son of Sachi. Well, <laughs> Yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> he has a perfected sadhana, sadhana deha, sadhaka deha, if you will, gore, gore, gore Anyway, so, 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 if then we offend bhakti, then our activity is extending into the nirguna, in a sense, but making offense there. Now, so therefore, that nirguna ideal that we're cultivating and making progress in, if we offend bhakti, then that can affect our bhakti. Sometimes it's said, there are sins of the flesh, so material desires and, 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 and the embarrassing things that they cause us to do, hmm, is one thing. And then there are sins of the soul. This is called aparad. Therefore, it said that while the obstacles to our path that are a result of our material desires and previous activities hmm, hmm, will impede us to a certain point up to maybe nishta hmm, in our progress. Hmm. But the effects of aparad hmm, They'll be finished, initially, but the effects of aparad will carry, have the potential to carry into bhava bhakti, because they are of a nirgun nature, and bhava bhakti is nirguna. You understand? Because they are offending. With regard to the nirgun plane, then the reactions can carry into this. What I want to call like a quasi nirgun, you know, the penultimate state, bhava bhakti. Therefore, one's bhava, that one's cultivating, can be, in terms of its, its being churned into prame, can be slowed down by offenses that were, were committed in sadhana bhakti, hmm, certain offenses, and, and it will prolong the attainment of prame. But now on top of that, if in Baba Bhakti, while in Baba Bhakti, one makes aparad, commits aparad, to a Vaishnav, hmm, Rupa Goswami says, to a, to a superlative Vaishnav, in, in a superlative degree, a Baba Bhakti offends a and very more advanced even than himself, let's say, devotee, and does it in the worst possible way, hmm? then you're going to get the worst possible effect. A lesser effect, lesser, less. So he gives three levels. Hmm? He says, one's bhava can be taken away. Hmm? What, is, what, is, what is bhava turns into only a, an abhas of bhava. Hmm? In, a, in, a, in an intermediate type of Offense. So offenses can be with 
with the mind, which would be minimal, verbally, more egregious, or physically. And they can be remedied mentally, verbally, or physically. If you make physical offense, then you have to give your body in service to the Vaishnav that you've offended. If you offend verbally, you can make amends verbally. If you offend mentally, you can make amends mentally. Hmm? And that then de- it depends on whether the Vaishnav is a superlative, an intermediate, or it's or a uh, a novice. Hmm? So there's a lot of subtleties to this. One minute to these to this, right? So if your offense is 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 the worst of all possible scenarios, physically offending a superlative devotee in, a, in your bhava bhakti, and you should do that, which sounds peculiar how we do that, we'll get to that, but then bhava can be reduced to to um, only an abhas of bhava, a shadow of bhava. If the offense is intermediate, then uh, then, then the bhava can be reduced from Sakya, for example, to, to Dasya. That's what your question is about, right? And if it's... Does he give three categories? What's the third, third one? I don't remember any of this. Even lesser. Hmm. Hmm. So, it sounds peculiar. How can one's bhava be degraded from Sakya to Dasya? It's a stai bhava, Right? Uh, it's a whole sense of identity and whatnot. Hmm. So, uh, first, first of all, before we answer that, we have to look at the fact that how could a bhava bhakta make you know an offense? It would be it would be the, if, if bhava itself is rare, making offense on the part of a bhava bhakta would be rare amongst rare and so forth. Hmm. So, I believe this is a cautionary type of um, verse hmm? Hmm. more than it has any real practical application an example is given by Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur in his commentary to the verse of uh, of I think Dvidvida the gorilla who in his previous life was some other kind of monkey but 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 in a but in a Hmm? He, he was the same gorilla, I think. He was a gorilla. He, he was Dvidida. He lived so long, like from Rama Lila to Krishna Lila. Uh-huh. Yeah. At any rate, the example is given of actually an eternal associate. Hmm? So you know, it, it's it's almost like it's done as a play to set an example that this should be avoided, but it doesn't really have any effect. So I would look at that verse more in those line, along those lines. That said, another way to think of it is this. When the Kumaras went to but to the gates of Vaikuntha and they met Jai and Vijay, hmm, the Peter and Paul of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, at the gates, at the pearly gates, they, uh, the Kumaras offended the Gatekeepers, hmm? and Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur comments that they had 
the prospect of attaining Dasyabhav, but because they offended, they could only attain Shantabhav. Hmm. So, when it, when he, when he, this is kind of an example, right? Of a day, but this is only a potential that they had. Hmm. So, Bhava Bhakti, there are, there are two two basic stages to Bhava Bhakti. One is Bhavankur, so the sprout of bhakti is coming. Hmm. And then when that sprout is cultured and it becomes mature, that that Bhav is synonymous with Prem. Hmm. So you're thinking of it, Bhav fully developed in Prem, how can it change? But when it's just percolating as a, as a potential, hmm, then it, more possibility of that uh, arises. But the possibility of such a person even making offense is just like so rare hmm, that it's more of a cautionary kind of a, uh, a verse to um, speak also about theoretically a philosophical principle hmm, again that well nothing can destroy bhakti unless you destroy bhakti you know by, by going against bhakti hmm. if you go against bhakti well bhakti is going to respond in that way nothing material can affect bhakti but within bhakti if we, so, so don't make offense does that help? Yeah, Andrik. Yeah, sorry, this is really the first time I'm hearing you, so many questions. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you may have already answered this in what you said in the last few minutes, <coughs> two or three minutes, but just for my clarification, um, over the quite a few years I've been in the movement since 1972. Um, I suspect that I may have offended devotees many times, especially by thought or by words, not physical effort. Um, even this morning, I suspect that I may have committed a, a, an offense to a devotee by words that I was speaking with someone. Um, so I don't want to do that. For sure, because I don't want my bhakti creeper to be hampered or destroyed. Mm-hmm. But, um, but in all these years, which mostly occurred after she probably left us, the kind of thoughts and words, you know, uh, saying things about different people and who were even uh, exalted to some degree, whatever degree I can't judge. Maybe they were gurus, maybe they were just usually some, some upper position where you don't have as yeah, I was there. the leaders more than your regular devotees. Right. Godmothers and God sisters. So I, I suspect that may have done it so many times. And I can't even remember. And I know you should go to the Vaishnava if you've made an offense and you know, offer your obeisances. This is my understanding. Ask their forgiveness. But if you can't even remember all the ones you may have made. What to do. Yeah, well, let me uh, reply to that, and uh, in doing so, let me go back for a moment to your first question about how, how, who's, how do it, who's attained bhava and so forth. That I, I don't see too many people like that, if any, and I'm looking. And, of course, it's said that if one is chanting, but, but is chanting, cannot produce weeping and horripilation, then... 
the reason it there must be some offense in the background. Hmm? So from previous life also they're coming with the have offense and so so you can use this as yardstick and with regard to criticizing others, other Vaishnavas, uh, this is something that we should avoid and not everybody can be involved in constructive criticism. Hmm? And if you want to practice constructive criticism, which will not be offensive, good to practice it on yourself. Hmm? So you should think, is there anything, before you criticize someone else, you might want to think, is there anything about me that is worthy of criticizing? Hmm? And uh, turn your attention to that. Hmm? Um, because typically, uh, Criticisms have not been very useful. Hmm. Um, they don't. They don't. If if you if even if you know something, someone's doing it. Your 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 words probably don't have the power to bring about a change. Hmm. So you have to consider all these things and whether whether your time is being spent very very wisely with uh, such uh, playing with fire, so to speak, playing with fire. I mean, it doesn't mean you're a fool or something like that. And But, you know, if someone's con- is a bhakta is conducting themselves, for example, in a way that you feel is, is incorrect or... Uh, then you know maybe maybe then you've come to the conclusion that their association is not going to help you. So then you don't associate with them, hmm? and then by st- keeping some distance from them, you can still have some respect for them because the things that stand out in your presence, that at least from your point of view, are bad or uh, not good or whatever, they'll fade when you're not close to them. Hmm? And then you think, oh, that guy, yeah, I remember him, yeah, 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 he wasn't too bad. He had some good qualities. You can can respect him. Hmm? So keep enough distance, you can respect everybody who's chanting the holy name, which we're told to do. Hmm? So you, you know, you want to, you want to tolerate, but you want to create a favorable situation for your bhakti. Hmm? So if you're in a situation where you find yourself finding fault in some of your devotees, better put yourself in a different situation. Whether those faults are in those devotees or not, that's another question. They may be in you, actually. Hmm? And you may be a fault finder. That's a problem. Hmm? But um, better better to save yourself from that possibility by removing yourself from the situation where you can think favorably of them and, and ultimately you have no one to blame but yourself. And... And you can look and see. Well, I'm not weeping today, so I, I've got some problems here to work to work on. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I mean, the time is short. Mm-hmm. Time is short. You're not going to make a lot of progress by instructing other people, criticizing other people, um, venting on other people. This is not going to cause your your progress. Mm-hmm. Sincerely, humbly. Hearing and chanting prayerfully. Hmm. This is how time should be 
best best bet, and then associate with those who 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 who, who inspire you. Hmm? So, what else? Yes. Uh, in the uh, instance of Judd Barat uh, being at the stage of Baba Bhakti and falling, uh, you've just given an example of Aparad. Would we consider that an Anartha that snuck into Baba Bhakti, or how should it be viewed? The case of Judd Bard. Judd Bard was a king. I mean, Bard, India is named after him, and he renounced his whole kingdom and became a, uh, a, a, uh, a sadhu. He was living in the forest. Hmm? Only engaging in bhakti. This is described in the fifth canon of the Bhagavatam. Some some point in the course of his forest life, a, he saw a deer trying to cross the river to get away from a tiger, hmm? and she was successful to get to the other side, but died in exhaustion. And she was pregnant, and gave birth on the spot to a, to a fawn. Hmm? The tiger couldn't cross the river, the fawn was there, and had no mother to take care of her. So, what do we see in Bart Marsh? We see compassion hmm? in him. Right? This is, uh, this is a type of sattvic compassion. It's parabdha karma, actually. Parabdha karma. Hmm? Subtle form of parabdha karma. Material compassion—it's not necessarily a bad thing, but then again, if, if, if it depends. Subari Muni had this kind of parabda. When he saw that Garuda was eating fish out of the Jamuna, he cursed the Jamu, cursed Garuda not to come. That if he if he took another fish from the Jamuna, he would die. Curse didn't really have an effect on the Parambhashna of Garuda, hmm? but. Uh, and Kribari Muni didn't understand Garuda's position as a Vaishnav. Hmm? And so his material compassion for the fish, he was living, meditating underwater. This is a story that just brings out some interesting points, right? His compassion for the fish, what, what did it turn out? What did it result in? It resulted in Garuda saying, well, hell with you. I don't want to go into Jimuna if you're in it anyway. So he went <laughs> elsewhere. And because he went elsewhere, Kaliya who wanted to seek, get, get, Kali is related to, to um, Garuda. Hmm? They have the same father. Hmm? Anyway, it's, that's a long history. So Kali wanted to get free from Garuda. So he thought, I'll go in the Jamuna, because he can't go there anymore. And what happened? All the fish died. So, so much for Subari Muni's compassion. <laughs> In the name of being compassionate, which he was, he was offended at Vaishnav, and so all the fish died. Goodness, so we should be careful about that. But at any rate, the, the feelings in Bard for the deer, hmm, this is typically a symptom of, of sattvic parabdha. Hmm? Therefore, we find gyani, many gyanis who have sattvic parabdha. They open, uh, they open uh, hospitals and and uh, soup kitchens and big scale and so forth. They get money and they donate all the money for for this kind of welfare activities. This is all this is all a function of their parabdha karma. That's very refined sattvic. Hmm? It's playing itself out. 
the money comes to them, so they keep it. They give it for welfare and so forth. Hmm. So, Bharat, he uh, saved the deer and then he nursed the deer, hmm, took care of the deer, right? And in the course of taking care of the deer, he started to think about the deer. And during his bhajan, his mind went, where's the deer, by the way? Is the deer okay? Deer? Are you okay, deer? And and then he got distracted, the story goes, from his bhajan. And then he was, the deer was not there. One morning he was looking for the deer, and somehow he, in looking for the deer, he fell and, and died, right? Hmm. So, what's that all about? Is your is 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 your question? Now, if we study the story, we'll see what happened further. Is that he actually did not lose his bhava. Hmm? He took birth as a deer in bhava. Hmm? So that's a problem, <laughs> to be sure. To be in a human body and have bhava. Well, that, that's a real virtue. But to have a deer body and have bhava, you don't have the vehicle to fully take advantage of and cultivate the bhava. But he did the best he could by way of staying in proximity to recitations of the Bhagavatam within the forest. And deers are known for their hearing. Hmm? They can hear very well. So he listened very well to the Bhagavatam in his deer body. Hmm? And then he became took birth as Jad Bharat, the great uh, Bhagwat who instructed Maharaj Rahugana and all of us, right? So, in this instance, how the question is how did his how did Sattvic Parabdha Karma come to affect him in in Bhav Bhakti? Of course, this Parabdha Karma is the manifest karma, and so it's more difficult to eradicate that than karma that has not yet manifest, is only in seed form. So when we do bhakti, therefore we said when you when you engage in jnana, hmm, in contemplative life and so forth, you can eradicate the aparabdha karma, the, that which is not manifest yet. But the parabdha karma, is, it's already in place. So by jnana, you, you can't do away with it, you just wait for it to expire. But bhakti, by contrast, has the power, this is his power, its power over again, to do away with prabhda karma. Hmm? Hmm? But it does gradually. Therefore, it's said in Bhagavatam, one who's chanting the name hmm, can immediately perform the uh, duties of a Brahman for Soma Yagya and such. Hmm? It doesn't mean all his prabhda karma is gone. But any parabdha that would have disqualified him for brahminical, material, religious, sattvic activities has been removed. Hmm? So there's a gradual removing of the parabdha and aparabdha through bhakti. Hmm? So still, he's in bhava bhakti, this um, Bharat Maharaj. Hmm? characterizes that. So, we have to look at it a little closer. Hmm? It should be such that even his sattvic parabd should be gone in Baba Bhakti. Hmm? Therefore, given the extraordinary circumstances that follow his 
attachment to the deer, his birth as a deer, and how he conducted himself in that life, his birth as Judd Bharat, and so forth. Hmm? It's been concluded by the commentators, the Acharyas, that this was, his attachment to the deer, an instance of what's called Shobhana karma, to complicate things. Shobhana means beautiful. It means it is an arrangement of Krishna hmm, to teach through Bharat hmm, how not to get attracted even to such such things. You know there's another similar instance of this where Narada Muni leaves the world, burns his house after his mother dies, becomes a mendicant, following the inspiration of the Bhaktivedantas who he was hearing the Bhagavatam from. He goes to the forest and he has a darshan of of, of Krishna. Hmm? And Krishna calls him a kuyogi, a pseudo-yogi, attached to the forest. Hmm. <laughs> Sattvic environment and so forth. And then he says, I'm disappearing. And then that causes in Nard such an intensity, having gained a thing so great and then lost it, that that drives him. Separation makes his heart grow fonder and it drives his practice to the stage where he becomes, uh, well, he gets his, he gets he gets awarded a sorup. Hmm? Krishna gives him a transcendental body with a vena. Hmm? Right? Hmm? So, Krishna's operative in the lives of the devotees. Hmm? He's non different from his name. Hmm? And, um, and he may use his devotees also in different ways to teach. So this is instance in the case of Bharat. He's teaching us through Bharat Maharaj. And Krishna created the situation, Shobhana Karma. Hmm? He created the situation. And there's two ways. He created the situation as a teaching or he created the situation to, 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 to intensify the bhava of Bharat. Who would look at his situation, not as, I'm a bhava bhakta, how did this happen to me, but just see how fallen I am. I got distracted from my practice. Goodness. Hmm? So now I'm going to pay attention. Because uh, even to attain bhava, it requires very, very, very intense practice for a long time. Not anishta bhajan. Nishta bhajan for a long time, not anishta. If your practice is anishta, unsteady, don't think that you're going to get bhava hmm? soon. It's not going to happen like that. Hmm? Right? So Bhagavad will think of himself, just see, my bhajan is anishta. And a, but when you advance, then you will look at what, what you, will, you will see things that others don't consider faults. You will magnify them and think, oh, let's just see how faulty I am. Hmm? That's the nature of it. So we find great devotees criticizing themselves. We think, why? Well, you know, I wish I had those faults. <laughs> if only I had those faults. Hmm. So, did I answer your question? Shobhana Karma, Jada. Bhart Maharaj ki jai. Bhart Bhumi ki jai. So, okay, it's an interesting, uh, interesting discussion. Nice questions. I'm very much uh, happy to uh, try to answer. An- answer them. Thank you. Thank you. 
And uh, with that, we'll segue into giving the uh, Diksha. We're going to give Diksha Mantra to two uh, disciples and uh, Harinam to one. And we, you know, we talked at some length last night about Harinam and about uh, Diksha Mantra and so forth. So I gave today's class last night. And today, as we talked about Aparad, so that's also important with regard to initiation, especially the Harinam initiation, because there are ten offenses to the holy name that should be um, avoided. Hmm? And that's part of what it means to pay attention to the job, pay attention to the knowledge and the philosophy that underlies the Nam, Nam Dharma, Nam Tattva. Hmm? And so part of that is that there are offenses to be avoided. And so if you, if you get that knowledge, you'll avoid those offenses as much as they are avoidable. And some of them are very avoidable. Hmm. Like thinking the name of Krishna to be like uh, the name of um, Kali and uh, chant one or the other makes no difference. That'll be an offense to the name. Hmm. Um, to uh, uh, Some of them are harder. Hmm. But we should be very careful not to not to disregard or ignore or um, uh, take as seriously as we should the guru in our life, his or her instructions to us, and so forth. Hmm. Some people, of course, think the name is all powerful. Why do I need a guru? Why bother with that stuff? <laughs> but that's namaparad to avoid the guru. Hmm. Krishna gives himself the guru yes he's his name is out and about you could pick it up but if you don't trace out where he got it from from Vaishnavas hmm, who have gurus whom they got it from then how seriously are you about the name that you're you're, you're chanting hmm? so no to so so um, that uh, is the way in which Nam chooses to reveal himself right through through the guru so we shouldn't disobey the guru. We shouldn't ignore the guru. Uh, we shouldn't offend Vaishnavas. So we've, we've talked about that. We shouldn't um, consider the name of Krishna to be like the names of the devas, gods and goddesses. That's we got four there. Five. We should not interpret the name. Hmm, um, when Mahaprabhu was asked by Balaba to entertain. His commentary in the name Mahaprabhu said, uh, "All I know about the name is of Krishna. That he is Yashodanandan. He is Shamasundar." Mahaprabhu, what he's saying to Balaba is, "The name. What I know about the name is only this. It's none different from Krishna, who's suckling the breast of Yashoda, who's a beautiful dark boy." That's my commentary in the name. Minatvam nam namino. The name and the named are one. Hmm? And then. Um, we shouldn't think sixth. Well, go to the sixth one. We shouldn't think that the the virtues uh, and the efficacy that is spoken about, that is derived from chanting the name, is an exaggeration. And the point here is that there are things that are said in the scripture that are exaggerations, to get people to follow out of fear or out of prospect. So some texts do employ these motives that most people are driven by. Fear to avoid something, prospect that I'll get something. So sometimes there are statements in the scriptures that are exaggerations 
to affect such people. But we should not think that the virtues of the name that are spoken of, it's Nanda from Krishna, he can do anything. Hmm? So that would be an offense. And then to commit sins on the strength of the name and think you can beat the system, hmm, right? I can uh, act improperly and then I chant, make up for it, and then I go do that again. I go, this is, this is uh, a, a grievous offense that should be avoided. I think that we got seven there. And then eight, we should not think that the name, I'm just going over these briefly, we could give a lecture on each one, right? But so, then we should not think that the name, uh, the chanting of Sankirtan is equal to other types of karmic sacrifices prescribed in the karma or the dharma mark, like a Ashvameda yagya, Gomeda yagya, or any other types of yagya sacrifice. It is a type of sacrifice. Krishna varnam tisa Krishnam, Sangopangastra parshadam, Yagnaya sankirtana prayer, Yajantihi sumedasaha. It's for sumedasa. People who have very fine theistic intelligence coming from good association. They will do Sankirtan Yagya as it has been performed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Krishna Varnadusa Krishna, who is who is Krishna but isn't but isn't dark like Krishna. He's golden, who performed this Sankirtan with his associates. And Nana Tantra Vidhanena, that verse is prefaced by the last line of the previous verse in the eleventh canto of the Bhagavatam says and details about this. It's found in the Tantra. Hmm? Gotamiya Tantra. Hmm? So forth. Hmm? There you find the rituals and the yantras and the mantras for our Sampradaya. Drawn from by the Goswamis, for example. Gopal Bhakti Sanatana Goswami putting in them Hari Bhakti Vilas and Bhagavad Bhagavatamrita and so forth. So, no. Nam Yagya is not like any other Yagya. Hmm? This is special yagya, and as we said last night, it's very special in this particular Kali Yuga hmm, that is following just after the once in the day of Brahma Kali Yuga that Krishna comes. This is his encore, Lila's Gore, Gore Krishna. Hmm. And there in this Yuga, the Nam Sankirtan is woven together in a wreath of flowers of Prem, so you can get Prem by this Nam Sankirtan. You will not get anything like, you won't even get Mukti from these other types of sacrifices, right, that are mentioned. Ashvameda, Gomeda, these types of... So, that's eight. Nine, one should not give the name of Krishna to the faithless. The guru should not give the name to someone who doesn't have the requisite faith, thinking, this guy's pretty well connected, I'll make you my disciple and I'll have hot chapatis the rest of my life. Don't make a business out of this. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. And and we sh- it said in the Bible, don't throw pearls before the swine. Mm-hmm. Something like that. So don't give a person an opportunity to create further offense. So create the faith in the name. And faith is created then through example and through the siksha, walking, talking, and walking accordingly. 
hmm? yes. uh, who, get, who, who, who captures us by our siksha, by his siksha or her siksha, we will capture them and say, you must give me diksha. I cannot go anywhere else. Hmm. Problem. So, if you speak too too nicely about Krishna, you're going to have this problem. You're going to have to give diksha. And if you if you speak and walk your talk, that's going to be a problem. Hmm. I tell you something that about um, in 19 um, Prabhupada left in 1977, and in 1985, Pujapad Sridhar told me, go and, and preach and initiate. Hmm? Your Guru Maharaj would expect that of you, and I'll be in the background hmm? uh, to help. Hmm? And if, you, if somebody, your preacher, you cannot capture their faith, then that person you can bring to me, and I'll try to capture their faith. So this was the system that we, how he engaged some of us, right? So we did that, and then he he departed, maybe in '88. Was it '88? Mm-hmm. So I, at that time, was not permitted to buy Prabhupada's books from the BBT to sell them. That was their policy. So, and those were the only books. So then I thought, I guess I better write book. Well, you know. So I had never written anything besides a letter at that time, and there weren't very many letters that I wrote either. One to my parents, Mom, Dad, I have joined the Hare Krishnas. Don't expect to hear from me again very soon. <laughs> I'm going to the spiritual world. <laughs> something, like, something like that. Right? So... So, that, so I so I began to express my um, my, my thoughts and whatnot, and um, and um, and I and and, and Chita Marsh told me you got to initiate a few people, even if they don't stay around, because you're going to need some support. Mm-hmm. So, so be pra- pragmatic, initiate some people, get a little support, gradually then. Um, uh, with, with that support, you hold, hoist a flag up. Some people will come, banner of Mahaprabhu, and you can do something for your Guru Maharaj in that way. And so that's what we were doing. But in 1999, um, there were quite a number of people initiating all over the world. And some of them were initiating anything that moved, practically. And I lost the appetite for that. I I I, th- I was more inclined towards the writing, and giving siksha, and doing something that I felt would be an investment in Gaudiya Vaishnavism for generations to come. Hmm? I felt that the content of what I was writing, I was learning from, and I thought, oh, other devotees will also benefit from it. Hmm? So, this that was my main um, main focus. Hmm? And um, and then in 1999, I uh, I uh, further moved in that direction, and, and I opened Ardaria in California as a writing retreat. 
and I, I decided not to initiate anyone. No, I stopped any initiation. I thought, other people can initiate. They seem eager for that, and um, I'll just write. That was my my plan, but it didn't work, right? So all of you are here. <laughs> so you give sick shit, then there's a problem. You know, I have to just be quiet, but I can't be quiet. That's why I couldn't stay in Iskum. I can't be shut up. You can't shut me up. <laughs> I, got, I got something to say about Krishna. It's just from my heart, it's dancing on my tongue, and there's nothing I can do about that. So, so the guru should create the faith in the disciple by example and by word and then faith is eligibility and Nityananda Prabhu has said Bhaktivinoda said he set up a shop hmm, he's selling the holy name for the price of one's faith right hmm. ninth offense don't give the name to the faithless tenth offense then in spite of hearing so many good instructions hmm, that are basic to the course, hmm? like you're not the body, hmm? uh, not embracing that in a progressive way, hmm? that basically to go against the very direction that the name is taking you. Hmm? And so that can uh, also become be, be offensive. So these are the ten offenses. They should be avoided, right? And um, and then we ask the students to chant a fixed number of rounds, which is pretty much a tradition throughout the Sampradaya. The number will be different for different sects of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Um, it might be different from one disciple to the other. Hmm? Prabhupada himself up, came up with a formula at a certain point that he then used for all of his disciples. Initially, he wanted them to chant 64 rounds a day, and they said they, they said they couldn't do that. So then he asked them to chant 32 rounds a day, and then they said they couldn't do that. Then he said, well, do 16. Then they were able to do that initially. So then that worked for a while. So then he said, well, just fix the number at that. And that one size was supposed to fit all. But, of course, Prabhupada had a big movement, lots of disciples, so... He couldn't make it tailored to every individual, but that was where he rested with that. In his own nectar devotion, he makes the point that, commenting on Rupa Goswami's Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, that one should not take vows that one cannot live up to. He said, therefore, um, and that can be counterproductive. And he cites his example that we, that we have come to this uh, 60, 16 rounds instead of 64. But it could have been four, could have been eight. Could have, so, so, so this is the detail. How many rounds you chant, that's the detail. The principle is to commit, make a commitment to chanting. Bhaktivinoda said, chant one round in his Nam Hut. And when you get a taste for that increasing, then go to two, but don't go to three, four, but don't go backwards, something like that. So we asked the students to chant a... a commit to a certain number of rounds and it may be different for different different students. We have to look and see. Let's look at Prabhupada for what he did, for example. We have to look and see and how his policies, his strategies were effective and the extent to which some of the strategies in time it's apparent they could be edited in, in present times to be more effective. That is the business of someone 
like myself. Hmm. You have to have that kind of insight. What's a detail? What's a principle? How to change the detail hmm? so that it can be, so that we don't put devotees in situations where they make commitments to something that they can't do, and then hmm, it becomes problematic, hmm? right? So, so we ask uh, the uh, nam initiates to chant a prescribed number of rounds, and then we follow the system, even by Bhaktivinoda, node, which is. There, we include five uh, features, five aspects uh, to the to the initiation. Uh, pundra, tapa, pundra, yagya, um, nam, and mantra. Hmm. So, tapa means austerity. In the Ramanuja Sampradaya, they brand you. It's like a tattoo, so it's not so bad, right? Or something like that. But they brand, but they did it with a branding iron. They brand you with the symbols of Vishnu, for example. That's tapa. Believe me, that would be tapa. So, um, we don't do that tapa, but we we have tapa. We mark the body with Krishna's names. Hmm, so, and then Pundra means Urdva Pundra means tilak hmm, is given for that. That should be uh, worn by the devotee, decorating the body, so forth. So, uh, Tapa Pundra uh, Yagya. The Yagya here is 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 Nams and Kirtan. So, initiating, giving the Nam for Nams and Kirtan. We give a name, also hmm, change the name, Das Dasi, right? And um, uh, what mantra? For Diksha, we give the Diksha mantra, the Krishna mantra, eighteen-syllable Krishna mantra, and Guru mantra, Guru Gayatri, Gaur mantra, Gaur Gayatri, hmm, Kam Gayatri, and so forth. So some of you will be receiving that. And uh, with regard to Harinam, then 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 the uh, 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 because the, the here the case the yagyas and kirtan rather than for example deity worship for which you need a mantra among other things. Um, so the um, the what is it the, the mantra is is is, is Hare Krishna Mahamantra. We talked about that last night, so please you come forward. You are first. I told you I wouldn't take you first, so you'd be less nervous, but <laughs> we're talking about Harinam, so you have to come. Okay. So you've been listening to me for a while, right? How long? Uh, almost four years. Four years. Okay. Well, that's pretty long. Okay, so we need some water. Agua is bida. <laughs> we need some water. Okay, here's some water. We have. And that's how you make the tea lock. Got it. This is the Gopi Chandan, and you can ask Padmanabh Marj about that. What is Gopi Chandan? <laughs> Sometimes we use Shamkunda Tilak, 
Oh, I have some of that. I should have brought that for you. But Ram Radhakun Tilak. But this is a Gopi Chandan, so it's good. So that's for you. Okay. the tapa. Oh, I have one. Um, yeah, where's Sumati? So she's going to bring the iron. for branding you, okay? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll give you the, the Kunti Mala. This is the means means neck beads from Tulsi. Right. Now these Tulsi beads, they're said to protect the devotee, right? So if there's a nuclear war, you know, you won't get radiation. (laughs) 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 It it, it protects you in this way that people may say to you, well, those are nice beads. What's, where'd you get those? And then you'll have to say, well, where do I begin? And, and, And it's proactive. So you know, you're dressed like a devotee, so you want to conduct yourself like a devotee, protect you in that way. That's what devotional attire does in general. It's 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 a if you if you're wearing if you're in the military, you wear a uniform. Well, you know, I've got to act like a soldier and appropriately because I'm representing the the nation and so forth, right? So, so the devotional attire it it has some power in that way. Hmm? And if you think, but it might turn other people off, this is just not about bringing other people in. This is about taking you back to Godhead. It's not what we're we do that too, but <laughs> not at the, not at the cost of your own progress. Okay, here's the here's the uh, the branding iron. Okay, Krishna, Krishna, you look just like one of Nityananda Prabhu's associates that was seen in the dream by. Krishna's Kaviraj. You know, we have more Tilak. Let's do this to Tilak too. This is the Shamkun Tilak. Shamsundaki Jai. Where's that iron? Okay. Krishna. 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 I've seen Sadhu in India, whole body tattooed with a Ram Nam. Hmm. But people might not be attracted. <laughs> He's going back. <laughs> right. 
Okay, let's do it like that. Jai, Sham Goon, Radha Goon, Gopi Chandam, Jai. Okay, so you have the Pundra, the Tapa, and you need the Nam and the Mantra. So, okay, so chanting. You're going to chant how many rounds? Every day, right? Okay, and then you chant like this with the, th- with the thumb and the middle finger. Like this, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. That's a yuga. Twelve. Okay, so you chant all the way around, start with a big bead, go all the way around, come back. All the way around once is one, then back, two, three, four up to 64. And so your name is Ujwala, Ujwala Dasi. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, Ujwala, Ujwala. You're counting your rounds, you pull one down after each each time, and back, so... Ujbal is, is, is uh, means very bright, very bright. Ujbal rasa is the brightest rasa also, and um, Ujbal Saka is a close, very close friend of Krishna. Hmm? He is the, the the Cupid of Krishna Lila. Krishna is the transcendental Cupid, in that he defeats the ordinary Cupid. But he has a, another transcendental Cupid in the Leela itself, Ujbal Sako, who makes all kinds of arrangements like Cupid does. Hmm? So he's been identified as as such. He's the closest thing to Ujbal Rasa being personified as a Dharma Saka. Hmm? Ujbal Saka Kijai. Ujbal Dasi Kijai. So, very nice. Did I forget anything? No. Everything. Complete. <laughs> it can happen. <laughs> okay, so Bhaktarasa. Bhaktilata, yeah. Yeah. See? I told you. I rely on I'm lucky. I've got a good memory because I've got so many memories to help me. Okay. So chant your rounds every day and I'm I'll I'll give you the Diksha Mantra, Main Mantra, Gopal Mantra, and then afterwards um, you can come to my room and I'll give you some other Diksha Mantras also, and how to chant them, I'll teach you, and so forth, okay? Okay. Right, right, right here. Hare Krishna. That will help you chant the Anandanam. Anandanam Das. Okay. Hare Krishna. So we ask all the Vaishnavas, Vaishnavis to 
take a moment to uh, petition your, your God that Krishna will bless them as members of our sampradaya and they may progress in, in Krishna consciousness. Take take one minute. Shri Sri Gaurana Madhava Ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Ananta Koti Vaishnava Vrinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanandi Hiro Vanchakalpaturubhyas Chakrupa Sindhu Vyavacca Patitanam Bhavani Pivaishnavibho Namo Namaha Hari Haribho